This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Don Robertson, um, and we can't not talk about this today. I, I, For those who have been listening all day, and we thank you for listening all day, when Bill was on, then when Scott Thompson was on, uh, you've heard a discussion about this. Um, you're going to hear a little more discussion about it because it is the topic of the day. It is the NFL and their protest of the flag and Donald Trump's comments and and everything else. Let me just throw it broadly to you right off the bat. What do you make of all this? It's interesting that Trump got involved. I don't, you know, sometimes, I mean, he he likes to tweet and he, if nothing else, is absolutely wonderful for the media business because if you haven't got anything to talk about on your show, then he'll find something. Wait five minutes. Rocket Man to... uh, you know, get those SOBs off the field. And boy, he really wades into some interesting areas. And I'm pretty sure that he bounces most of these ideas off somebody. I, I think they probably just bounce. I don't know if he listens to any of their uh, solid advice, but it's created um, an interesting position from a lot of fronts. Freedom of speech. I mean, do the players have it and not Trump? Um, what should the protocol be? Should they stand for the flag? Should they stand for the national anthem? And is that really what they're protesting? Or are they protesting the fact that he's the president? It's, boy, it's a quagmire, and I'm glad I'm living up here. Let me tell you, um, and I don't want to go on a long rant here. Uh, I didn't bring you in here just to listen to me go on a long rant. But I'll tell you, when I heard this thing going on, my initial reaction is not about the players. The players can decide for themselves how they want to protest or not. And if, in fact, it, as I think it will, has an impact on viewership, it didn't this week apparently, in some parts it did, but TV viewership was about normal. But it was also a lot of people, I think, tuning in to see what would happen. going to happen, yep. I think that there's a lot of people in middle America. When you look at the map, the electoral map of the states after the last presidential election, the entire middle between coasts on East and West was red. There's a lot of people in there who are disgusted by the protests of the players. They feel it's disrespectful to the flag and to the veterans and everyone else. So, but the players are big boys. If they wish to take this action and they know that, you know, if ratings drop, this is money that it, this could have an effect on us. It certainly has had an effect on Colin Kaepernick. I'm not going to talk about the players tonight. That's their choice. You can, you listening, you can have your views on players. That maybe can be a discussion for another day. My thought on this one is that listening to the positioning that the NFL has tried to take in the last day or so, that it is a bastion of First Amendment freedoms and a pedestal for which free speech can burst forth, is an absolute load of crap. And I'll tell you why, and this is what really got me about this, is that the NFL has said, Roger Goodell came out, we're not going to stop this. This is, players can protest as they wish. Players can have their voice. Players can speak out. Last year, the Dallas Cowboys wanted to put a small decal on the back of their helmets to honor five police officers that were killed in a shooting, a terror attack in Dallas a small little sticker that would go on their helmets that would just do something to say, this is our First Amendment right to honor these five Dallas police officers who bravely lost their lives. The NFL said, can't do it, not allowed. Do not put those stickers on your helmet. You are barred from doing that. The Tennessee Titans had a linebacker 
on the 15th anniversary of 9-11 who wanted to have a cleats that said 9-11-01 on them. Cleats, not even anything else, just his cleats. And they said, you can't do that. You'll be fined and punished if you wear 9-11 remembrance cleats. There was uh, RG3, quarterback who, you know, is maybe still on the Hamilton Ticats neg list, wanted to wear a T-shirt underneath his shirt, but when it was so that it might be visible during warm-ups that said, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace. They said, no, you can't have that on. It's a message. We don't do messages. There were there was a Steelers linebacker who was fined for wearing purple cleats, which was for domestic violence awareness. There are story after story after story in the NFL of the NFL not having players have the opportunity to express their First Amendment rights. So for the NFL now to say, oh no, this is fine. This is good. We like how you express your First Amendment rights. This is this is absolute ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The players can do it. Just NFL. Don't pretend somehow that you are all about the First Amendment. What the NFL's got going on here, Don, is a situation that they have no idea how to untangle themselves from. Roger Goodell, if he could undo this, he would undo it in a se- He would put down some rule in a second, but he doesn't know how to without looking like a guy who's cracking down on men speaking out about racism. But he has spoken out about a lot of other things and banned a lot of other things before that were other worthy causes. He just doesn't know how to get out of this pickle. That's my thought on this. The other thing, well, jump in. What about the rule for the national anthem? Well, there is, as it turns out, because I didn't know if there was or not. And I, saw, I read this today. Uh, I, didn't know, I, I didn't know what the rules are, if there's any, about the national anthem. Now, this is not in the NFL rule book. This is in the NFL's, um, let me find the proper name of this thing, Game Operations Manual. So this is, the op- this is what all the teams are required to do. You can't just, when you stage an NFL game, you can't just do whatever you want. There are rules, and here it is. Page A62 and 63 of the league's Games Operation Manual. The National Anthem must be played prior to every NFL game, and all players must be on the sideline for the National Anthem. During the National Anthem, players on the field and bench area should stand at attention, face the flag, hold helmets in their left hand, and refrain from talking. Then I skip down. Failure to be on the field by the start of the National Anthem may result in discipline, such as fine suspension and or the forfeitures of draft choice or choices for violations of the above, including first offenses. And so this is, um, again, that is from a document that is described as, that is pointed as the Game Operations Manual. The Washington Post has acknowledged, has, has verified that that does exist, and that is that thing, and that's what it says in there. So they're choosing not even, they've got rules, They've got rules for all these things, but they're choosing in one case. Now, you can argue, Don, that this is a big social issue, and therefore they're wise to let the players do this, which may be the case, but I would argue, well, then, wait a second. Were they, would they not have been wise to show some flexibility with 9-11 or with five police officers killed in your town or whatever? It's, it, this, to me, this is why, to me, this seems like this is not about being free speech. This is about being stuck in a quandary and not knowing how to deal with it. This is about reacting to what Donald Trump tweeted without probably sitting down and sorting out exactly what their position should have been instead of saying, we better say something, we better say something now, 
and they will now be challenged by people like yourself and media outlets and everything else by saying, so why do you have rules? Why do you have a game day procedure now? Because apparently now you don't have a game day procedure. Uh, you do, until you don't want to follow it. Well, that's that in the world I live in means you don't have one. But you know what? You said something else there that I thought was really... Um really interesting, and that was that this was a protest against Donald Trump. And there's no question that this was a protest. What happened yesterday was a protest against Donald Trump. But let's go back a year, because when Colin Kaepernick started this, it was not a protest against the president. It was a protest against, or initially, against some police shootings, against racial inequality. And so he said, my country is not fair. There is racial inequality. Therefore, I must take a knee. And and. For him, he's looking at the broad, I think, if I'm putting myself in Colin Kaepernick's head, he's looking at the broad picture that the flag represents the country, therefore the country is racist, therefore I must do this, whether you agree or disagree. But the person who's in the Oval Office and the flag are not one and the same. The office of the Oval Office and the flag. So there are lots of people who have pointed out, and boy, I went over the stuff today because I pulled up an interesting bunch of stories today. And again, I'm not arguing for or against the players taking this stand. But if you can think back to 2012, I believe it was, or 2011, when the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup, and Tim Thomas, the goalie, decided he was not going to go to the White House because he had he didn't believe in the politics and disagreed strenuously with that of Barack Obama. At the time, If you go back, and I would say, you know what, you want to have some entertainment tonight? Go back and look at the words that an awful lot of columnists, writers, analysts, media people said. The recurring theme is, you don't go to the White House, you don't protest the president, because you're going there because that is the office. It's not the inhabitor of the Oval Office, you're respecting the office of the president, you're respecting the flag of the United States. Kevin Paul Dumont from the Boston Globe wrote this about Kevin Thomas. He called him shabby, immature, unprofessional, self-centered. It was the same government yesterday and will be today that protected his country, his security, his family, and his right to make $5 million a year all last season. Someone so disgusted with our government ought to turn in the sweater and the medal. That's talking about the Olympics that he won. Uh, Go down to uh, another one here. A guy who called uh, Tim Thomas a coward. It's one thing to disrespect the office of the President of the United States, but to justify that decision by blaming all of government and not having the guts to admit you aren't going because you fundamentally disagree with the politics of this particular administration is downright deceitful. He referred to him as borderline treasonous. And I'm just taught there are dozens of these, Don. (laughs) So the point is, I am, and anyone who listens to this show, I am a huge believer in First Amendment, in free speech. I believe wholeheartedly that you are entitled to have your free speech, which is why I'm not taking a position against the players. I, I, I may disagree with what they are doing, but I'm not going to say that they should not have a right. The NFL would say by their rules they're not supposed to have a right, but they are letting them have that right. But boy, we seem to pick and choose who has the right to do these things very fluidly depending on where your politics lie. The only thing you shouldn't be is surprised by that. When you, no, I'm not when surprised you, when at you, all. When you have uh, a country uh, divided on the left and right as um, dramatically as the United States of America is right now, um, I mean, we have conservatives, liberals, NDP up here. Where we're, you know, we're we're not as fanatical as the Americans. Uh, we don't think as highly of ourselves as the Americans. We 
tend to be more respectful and, and uh, we're famous for it and it's not a bad thing to be famous for, but <clears throat> the Americans have never been that way. And boy, they've never, ever been as divided as they are right now. Look at the health care. Oh, there's, there's so many I mean, things. They, I mean, the, the some of these guys don't know whose side they're on, on any of the issues for all the wrong reasons. The the whole point of what I just talked about is the idea of free speech and First Amendment. If you believe in free speech, you must believe in free speech across the board. Yep. You, you can't cannot, pick and choose. It. You cannot pick and choose. The NFL is clearly picking and choosing what free speech they are allowing their players to have. A lot of the people in the media are picking and choosing what free speech they think should be allowed. And it's based not on the general concept of, hey, listen, I got to live with it. If I want to be able to say what I want to say, I got to live with, you, with what you want to say too, even though I disagree. We're not doing that anymore. We don't do that anymore. And this, is, this to me is just a perfectly crystalline example of all that. What Donald Trump has done, and I'm not claiming that he has made a brilliant maneuver here, That's not. but I'm saying what he has done inadvertently or vertently, I don't know if that's a word. It must be if you can be inadvertent. Um, is he has pointed out, again, in a very clear way, that our view on free speech is entirely dependent, for most of us, is entirely dependent on who's do, the one who's saying it. McMaster, over the summer, had a professor from University of Toronto who had some views that didn't align with the politically correct world. He was shouted out of the room. He was invited here, and he was shouted out of the room where he was supposed to give a lecture on university campus. He, we don't, we don't, all the people, every single person who is arguing that Colin Kaepernick and the NFL players and all the rest should be able to be doing this because they have a right to free speech, I really believe have to ask, are you okay then? Were you okay when Tim Thomas didn't go or were you ticked off with him? And did you say, like some did, that he was borderline treasonous and all these other shots against him, that he shouldn't be able to do this? It's well, got to be one or the other. All the Republicans, I'm sure, thought it was wonderful. And I, and I don't dispute that either. I don't dispute and that either. If you start telling me who you read those quotes from and what newspaper they represented, it will speak volumes. Well, they were all... You can watch CNN right now, and they will watch... You can see them dragging people out of these hearings for health care, people in wheelchairs and escorting them out. And if you go to Fox News, there'll be all kinds of people respectfully outside supporting it. There I mean, is entire no doubt. networks are divided. There's no doubt. There's no doubt at all. But again, my my whole thought on this thing today is again, ha- have your opinion on the players. You're entitled you're fully entitled to have your opinion on what whose side you stand on the players, but you can't pick and choose then what they should or shouldn't be allowed to say and if a different player says something different. So, Sidney Crosby today and the Pittsburgh Penguins are being trashed cuz they say they're going to go to the White House. Well, if you believe in freedom of expression and free speech, you shouldn't, if you're going to say that these players are allowed to do this, you, Sidney Crosby and other guys are entitled to go and not be trashed by you and vice versa. And who's trashing them? Right? And if it's you still... say that Sidney Crosby should be able to go, you shouldn't then say these players should never be able to express themselves. The interesting thing that's going to... What's going to be interesting to watch is how the league, who who are probably going to wallow around in this for some time, Trump will have moved on to something else by Thursday. And if not, if it's like a real long time, 
it'll go to next Saturday. But it won't be any longer than a week to let him jump in and out of this stuff. He's going to leave the league with all the issues that you've brought up or so many of them because it's going to be an ongoing thing for the NFL. And based on what you, you see about the NFL, they have their own issues. They're not the be-all, the end-all anymore. I mean, they're a great league. It's great Sunday. They're going to Thursdays and – they're doing a lot of things, but they're doing a lot of things because they need some help to make it work. And it's not working like it used to. Monday night football used to be a ritual just the same as it was at 1 and 4 o'clock. And now you can watch a game at 1, 4, and 8. And now you can watch it on Thursdays. And now you can watch it on Mondays. NFL football for 20 years was absolute Teflon. Didn't matter what they did, the yeah. ratings were through the roof. It made money hand over fist. And suddenly, you look at the stadiums in Los Angeles that are all in San Francisco that are almost empty. TV ratings, this week aside, but for two years now, TV ratings have been dwindling. San Diego played in front of twenty five thousand people. San Diego, uh, I guess Los Angeles, yeah. Monday, right? uh, last in night, a thirty thousand seat arena. Sunday night football last night was down eleven percent on average from what they got last year, which last year was down from the year before. Is it all just a coincidence, or is there part of this that could be the fact that people in those red states that the, the that all the media people and all the executives from TV and the NFL people they fly over it when they go from LA to New York and back and forth and never actually go there? Could some of those people be saying, you know what, I just you are allowed you players, yeah, you're allowed to have your free speech, and you know what, so am I, and my free speech is I'm going to watch something else on Sunday, maybe maybe not. Point is. We're going to move along. Point is, free speech is not something you pick and choose. It's not something you pick and choose. You are either for free speech or you are against free speech. And if you're for it, sometimes that free speech is going to be stuff that you disagree strenuously with. But you've got to tolerate that and deal with it and not just shout someone down because you're saying you believe in free expression and free speech. We do that so poorly now, Don. We, do, we, we don't want to hear any other point of view. You can't stifle someone because you don't agree with their position. Well, no. You, oh, you try. We, tr- no, no, we, we try. Yeah. I'm telling you, my world, you I know, can't. I know, but I'm saying we have taken our society. You can say whatever you want. And I'll tell you I don't now, agree with you. Our society now would tell you that if you say things that are not they're offensive, they're hurtful, they're this, they're that, the other. We put labels on all these things. And look, anyone, pretty, I've seen today a number of people who have said, I don't stand with the players here. I don't agree with the players. And they're immediately labeled as racists. I don't know why they're saying they don't agree with the players. Maybe it's got something to do with race. Maybe it's got the fact that they had a veteran in their family. Maybe, it, and, they, and the flag is important to them. There could be a million reasons. But we are, boom. You, you want to take a position on something? We're going to slap you down. And it goes both ways. I say it goes both ways. And and it's just, th- this to me just puts a, a perfect exclamation point on how this is not working, how the free speech thing is not working. And and it, it took sports. You know, it's interesting that we say, let's separate sports and politics. It took sports to serve as a great reminder of just how we don't really like the idea of free speech. But... We could do this all night. Let's let us move along. If you have something you wish to share on this or some thought you would like to share, you can agree with me or Don. You can disagree with Don or I. As it is, we believe in free speech. So give us your best shot. If you disagree, you want to tell us we're idiots, that's fine. That is okay. Especially Don. I get it all the time. <laughs> it won't bother me. I'm used to it. Uh, Radley at 900chml.com would be the email if you want to take a shot. But 
or 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 you want to agree. Either one is fine. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. In studio with Don Robertson. Enough protest anger. Enough anger. Let's move on to something happier. Outrage. No, we won't do outrage. <laughs> we'll make it up. Um, I do have an interesting question. You're a, you're you're a hockey guy. You have retired three sweater numbers with the Dundas Real McCoys. Honored. Honored. Okay, not retired. No. You've honored three. Uh, retired one. We retired Ruchin sweater. Yes, Larry. Uh, Larry Ruchin. Larry. Larry or Steve. Steve uh, played for Anaheim. Okay. Larry, Larry played for us right. and. Uh, uh, Played a few games at the start of the season and passed away that summer of cancer. And uh, so 28 will not be worn again by anybody. But you also have Juris and Vive as honored Ryan Christie. Oh, and Ryan Christie? Yep. So you got four. Four, sorry, yes. Three honored, four retired, because we won't have numbers over 30 because the guy that runs the show is old-fashioned, Fuddy Dud. So there was an announcement uh, that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to retire... Vinny LeCavalier's number four sweater, which follows shortly after the Ancaster, or the Ancaster, that's where my son played, the Ancaster Islands, the Colorado Avalanche, <laughs> Freudian slip, the Colorado Avalanche are going to be retiring Milan Hayduke's number. Can you even tell me what number Milan Hayduke wore? 14. No. Then no. 20, 23. <laughs> I... I Sure. What are the criteria for, I mean, what, not what are, clearly there are none. What should be the criteria? Because I'm thinking of the great players in NHL history, Milan Hayduke is not a guy that leaps to the tip of my tongue going, oh man, that guy needs his number retired. Well, I'm sure there isn't a lot of people sitting around going, I can't believe they haven't retired a sweater. (laughs) What are they thinking? Most people can't even spell his last name, let alone know what number he wore. What what should be the criteria for retiring a guy's number? I look at it uh, that it's a contribution to the team, and it may not all be an on-ice thing. Um, I mean, stats are important, and generally speaking, you don't see just an absolute great guy get his sweater retired because he was an absolute great guy. You better have made some major contributions to the team. Juris, in our situation, is all-time leading scorer. Best player to ever not play in the NHL I've seen. Ryan Christie's leadership and ability to pick our team up on his back and carry it are great. Rick Vive's contributions weren't um, honored as much for his participation with Real McCoys as the fact that his contribution to hockey and the fact that he took time to play in Dundas. So that wasn't a sheer you know, here's what you did for us, and you carry, carry us on your back. So, And he, he did lots of things in the community, made lots of appearances for us, so that kind of thing. So I think there is different criteria. You don't just honor your leading scorers and everything else. The reason you see a lot of captains honored, because they're, on, they're honored, um, first of all, by being captain, but the reason that they're generally made captain is a contribution to the team and the community. Right. The same reason you wear a C is the same reason that you would get your number retired. Yeah. Like if you look at uh, Harry Howell, number being retired in New York, it is. Yep. Yep. He and uh, Andy Bathgate had theirs retired the same day. It was not um, for Harry Howell's offensive uh, contributions to the New York Rangers 
sitting alone. He was a great hockey player and a great defenseman. So I like to see organizations that recognize that. You don't just have to be the leading scorer. But do you need to do these things? Because, I mean, look, I I don't want to dump all over the guy, but if you're the Colorado Avalanche, what is the upside to retiring Milan Hayduke's number? Is like, and, and all I can think, Don, is they were the worst team in the NHL last year. They're going to be the worst team in the NHL again this year. we got to do something that's going to get somebody in the building for at least one night, and maybe Milan Hayduke has 18,000 friends. Well, one of the things that it may speak to is the history of the Colorado Avalanche. Because if this is what they have to do to honor players... But they've got a bunch of guys they've retired already. Good guys. Yeah. I, but what it, whenever you do that, whenever you... Um, I remember make, making a speech at the uh, uh, Dundas Citizen of the Year night in 2014 and saying, I hope this doesn't diminish the contribution of other people that have won this award. Well, look who's look who Colorado already has hanging in the rafters. I just pulled this up. Joe Sackick, full mark, full measure yep. for that one. Peter Forsberg, full measure for that one. Arguably the best player in the game for a time there. Patrick Waugh, no one's arguing Patrick Waugh. He won two Stanley Cups with them, and that's the only reason, well, not the only, but a big part of the reason they won. Adam Foote, agreed. Good journeyman, uh, big Ray, contributor. Ray Bork, I, I disagree I strenuously agree, with that, with that one. one. That one, Boston, that, yes. Colorado, no. Uh, sure. You know what? Well, you gave him his chance, whether you agree with it or not. But to retire his sweater is it might be a bit a of little a cheese ball. Yeah. Nonetheless, um, to put Milan Hayduk, I, I as I say, I just look at this and I think I, I would like to believe that teams have some kind of criteria that says, you know what? See, here's my criteria for getting your name your number hung in the rafters. All the things you said about performance on the ice and involvement with the community and all that kind of thing. But if you walk down the street, greater than 0% of the public will know who you are. Look at the guys who are up in the Maple Leafs rafters. And if Frank Mahovlich today, today, he's in his 80s, walks down Young Street in Toronto, he will be recognized by people. Now, I know it's Toronto, and you could say the same with all the guys in the Montreal Canadiens rafters. And I'm sure all the numbers in the Philadelphia Flyers. You you send Dave Schultz or Bernie Perrant down a main street in Philadelphia, Broadway. they will be stopped. People will know who they are. Maybe maybe Milan Hayduke has some greater fan base than I can imagine. But I don't think in Toronto or in Montreal, the two biggest hockey cities in the world, Milan Hayduke could stand at the corner of Young and Dundas naked, playing a tuba with a sign that says, I am Milan Hayduke, and people will go, who? What are you doing here? Nobody. This, this. I don't know, it just seems to be kind of cheesy. You know what we might not be aware of? Or I certainly am not aware of. Maybe he has made tremendous contributions to the team and to the community since he retired, working at children's hospitals, working at cancer clinics, Maybe he's done a lot Gosh, of things, okay. and maybe they're calculating all that in. But are you gonna? Are the Montreal Canadiens retiring PK Subban's number? Because he's—I mean—he certainly did that with the Children's Hospital, and he was fantastic in the community. But he's only there for five years. I think the Montreal Canadiens spoke volumes when they traded PK Subban. I, I agreed, agreed. But if so he had I, stayed so for ten, retiring or a sweater years, might be a stretch. But Jonathan Drouin just gave a big donation to a children's hospital. If he stays in Montreal for 10 years, 
but is a mediocre player there. Are they retiring his number? No. Well, it's you've, it's you've a combination of all uh, of right. it. You've got to have the ball. What about Vinny LeCavalier? See, I, I mean, to me, maybe maybe the problem with Vinny LeCavalier for me is the fact that when he was drafted, the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning at that time called him the Michael Jordan of hockey, which seemed to set a bar that there was no way he could possibly reach. And so from then on, you go, well, he never did achieve what he was supposed to. Maybe that has broken my view of him. Is there a statue of uh, Vincent uh, LeCavalier out front of the... Um... No, I know who there is of one, though. Yeah, Phil Esposito. No, not, well, is there one of Phil? I think so. There's certainly one of Dave Anderchuk. And deservingly so. I just, you know... Hall it, of Famer. It just, it seems to me that retired numbers has become... Remember for about, well, until about 2014 when the Blue Jays started to look presentable again... They would have those old time. They'd have the nights every single week. It seemed at the Rogers Center where it was, "Hey, let's have another night for Robbie Alomar. Let's bring back Barfield Mosby and Bell again for the fourteenth time. Here, let's have Tom Henke night." But one, know, th- one thing the Jays didn't do they didn't they don't have a whole whack of retired sweaters. So no, they'll, they don't. They'll honor guys, but you got to earn it to get your sweater up. But there. they did that because they couldn't sell the product. Well, it was on a cheap marketing field. ploy. It was a cheap, and that's what I'm looking at. Honoring retiring sweaters should not be a cheap marketing ploy, but that's what it's looking like. That we've reached the point now where teams are saying, "Hey, we got to have at least one night when we have half a building filled." So let's do this. Well, I'm gu- I'll guarantee you right now, uh, Hey Duke's family don't look at it like that. No, but how many how many seats can they fill? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's maybe, got a big family. Maybe he comes from a big family. It's a, maybe that's why his number is being retired. It's a family of seventeen thousand in <laughs> Slovakia. He's got the biggest family. They're all coming over. Is it Slovakia that he's from? Hold on a second here. Czech Republic. Pardon me. Maybe the entire city of Pardubice is coming over from, uh, to, you know, to to. He's from actually. He's from Usti nad Labem or Labern. No, he's not. Yeah, Usti nad Labem. Czech Republic, I, and I probably pronounced that incorrectly, but I don't know. Maybe they're all coming. It's Milan night at the Avalanche game. Tickets are available still if you want to get one. I'm sure. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. I have now, and I am speaking. I think many of you. I expect many of you will be able to understand the place I am in now. I have entered one of those black holes of technology because I need a new cell phone. My cell phone, my smartphone is beginning to show signs of age. It is moving a little more slowly. It is, the battery is not lasting as long. It's not doing some of the things I want it to do. So I need to get something, something that is going to replace it. However, as I've started looking for what kind of new smartphone to get, and I've been exploring the marketplace online and in stores, I have become thoroughly and entirely confused and baffled. Tell you why. I, I have, I've been an iPhone guy from the time I had my, well, for the last, I don't know how many years. I've been an Apple consumer. I've bought an iPhone. Right now, when I go to look for a replacement, there are eight versions of an iPhone out there for me. Plus, there are dozens of others from Samsung and LG and Huawei and Motorola and Sony and a bunch of names I've never even heard of before. I didn't even know they made phones. There's one called Alcatel. 
which when I first saw it, I thought that was a prison in San Francisco Harbor. But no, Alcatel. Anyway, I've tried reading the specs. I've tried to see what I need. Do I need an A9 chip with integrated M9 motion co-processor? Or do I need an octocore processor? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. This is entirely confusing. And I'm betting that if you've been through this, you have a pretty good idea what I'm talking about. What am I supposed to get? How am I supposed to understand this? Well, Adam Oldfield is the president and CEO of FPM3 Marketing and Design. He is on with Bill Kelly every Friday for Tech Talk. Uh, But I have usurped him. I have poached him away for one day in order to try and walk me and... Presumably, some of you who have w- fallen into the same abyss of confusion. Uh, he joins me now. Adam, thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure, Scott. Throwing you off this week. Er, throwing you off to have you in early this week. You probably have, you know, what day is it? I don't even know what day it is. Um, it's Monday. Yeah, I'm with you. It's okay. It's all right. You know what? You, when you sent me the note, I knew you were in desperate need of assistance when it came to a smartphone. <laughs> I could, you know what? This this is demanded psych, psychiatric help. There are actually benefit <laughs> programs now with companies that allow you to go through a psychological evaluation as to what smartphone do you need in this day and age of technology. I have so. become confused, Adam. Confused. Com, com, yes. com, sorry. I have become convinced. You got me saying confused. I'm so confused I'm using the wrong word. I have become convinced. <laughs> convinced that the end goal of all the tech companies is to make this procedure as confusing as humanly possible. So ultimately, my default is going to be to walk into a store and simply buy the most expensive latest model because I know that'll work for me. Well, you know, and that's the thing. It may not work for you. I have this conversation many times. I mean, every time we do a tech talk and we feature a new product, and it was funny, just Friday I spoke with Bill Kelly, and we said the number two, the number two selling smartphone on the market is Huawei. And, you really? know, where did, this, where did this company come from? What is it about? I mean, we have Note 8s, we have S8s, we have S8 Active, we have <laughs> iPhone 8, iPhone X. I mean, you know, there are a lot of options, and it's kind of like going to buy a car. I mean, you go get a car, and it's it's kind of like, you know, using the analogy of what do you need your smartphone to do? And do you need it to do more than what it what you think it needs? Are you needing it for just the basic necessities? And we just kind of got like, uh, you know, I like to use the example of, are you getting a Lamborghini to drive two blocks to work? And, you know, like it, it has lots of power, lots of muscle, all the features you need, but is it really overkill with what you actually necessarily need? So, you know, what I recommend to all listeners, to everyone watching, is that you want to be able to, first of all, identify specifically those needs. What do you mean by needs? Well, let's start with a chart. Draw a line down on a piece of paper if you actually still use paper these days. And what you're going to do is you're going to say, here's what I want. I want a good camera. And really, it gets down to what type of camera. Are you taking pictures of grandma and the puppy? Or are you actually getting photos of light uh, and and characters of, of waters and sunsets and, you know, how all of that is in place? So if you're really trying to capture that that photo moment, you're going to want to get a photo-capable a phone that's going to be of a high quality. Does that mean you got to get the iPhone X quad-core uh, semi-cooled conducting? <laughs> uh, you know, no, you don't. I mean, does it come with an amazing camera? Yes, of course. But you don't need to go all out when it comes to that. Now, you know, really, the iPhone X, using that as an example, that is such a powerful phone. It is why, why would you want this phone? Well, one is for prestige. I mean, I kind of look at... Do you need a Rolex to tell time better than if you bought a 
Cisco watch or a uh, a watch anywhere else? No. I mean, it's it's nice, it's quality built, and everything else. But the iPhone X, as an example, comes with a 3D uh, uh, security component. It also has, yes, a higher speed capacitor, but it's really been built for the future, which is more augmented reality. So if you're not walking around with your phone staring at things, trying to see if you can get a Star Destroyer hanging over top of Hamilton and feel that that's a necessity of your life, then maybe the iPhone X isn't what you really are necessarily needing right now. So, you know, it really comes down to you, Scott, saying, okay, how do I want to use my phone for my everyday life? Am I looking to uh, hop online, go on the Internet? Am I looking, again, to take photos? Do I want video quality? And what kind of value and, and sort of connection from a Wi-Fi component? I mean, the other side is the best thing about these new phones coming out, they're going to be compatible with 5G. And what does 5G mean? It means you're going to be able to get unbelievable speeds working on your phone. So, you know, it is really a matter of that cost you're spending now could be overkill, but if you're going to use it for your daily use of, I just needed to call my friends, get on social media, maybe take a few photos, a couple selfies, and maybe hashtag myself and a couple Snapchats, you might be able to do that with only a $400 phone. Adam, I was, as you were going through there, I, was, I couldn't help but think, did you say that I actually could get a phone with a semiconductor and a flux capacitor? You could, yes. I, believe the, the I think that's what you said. Go back only as far as 1955. <laughs> they, they don't actually give you any much further than that. But Adam, here's the, here's the thing you just said, and, and this is exactly what you just said, exactly illustrates what I, I've walked by. You, you've been in Costco, I'm sure, and they have the phone stand there, and the people who are standing having the phones explained to them, I'm sure the people who work there are wonderful people doing an amazing job, but people look like deer in headlights, glassy-eyed, because because even when you describe, okay, I need a good camera, whatever, the definitions, the descriptions, the way they explain to you what the per- particular things are, aren't in human terms. Most people don't know. How, like, do I need a 12 megapixel camera or is a 9 megapixel camera sufficient for what I need? And all that stuff is written there. We just, nobody knows what this stuff means. Right. And it, uh, it does take a little bit of science. I mean, like we've kind of let nerds take over the planet. I mean, really, when it was back in high school in the 90s and 80s and those that are listening, even before that, I mean, you know, those were the kids you used to pick on. Now these are the kids that are dictating our life. And, you know, they really kind of define the, hey, you picked on me in high school. Try reading what's on your phone now, chump. So, you know, they, this is more of a, a tongue-in-cheek nerd. Remember Revenge of the Nerds? This is definitely a forecast of what we couldn't have foreshadowed in 1991. But the real matter of this is to understand megapixels, I mean, 12 megapixels, that's, that's really big. I mean, to take a a 12 megapixel photo with an iPhone or the new uh, Samsung or there's even uh, the LG is, is actually one of the best phones for quality uh, when it comes to photography. But a 12 megabyte uh, photo, I mean, you would blow that up to a billboard. And not a lot of people are out there taking pictures to put up on a billboard. Um, maybe they want to you know, take a picture of a, of a poster even. But, you know, that is so crisp under that 4K resolution, 4,000 resolution. I mean, it's like watching a Blu-ray DVD when you're filming your family barbecue and making you feel like you're in that environment without any of the blurring or any of that stuff. So, I mean, the quality of it is so realistic, and and it does matter when you're going to be looking at that and saying, wow, I want a real high-resolution camera. Here's another little small problem that smartphones, in my opinion, haven't mastered yet, and that is 
uh, total memory. I mean, the, the Note 8 came out with <laughs> came out with uh, uh, eight gigs of RAM or six gigs of RAM. Sorry. I mean, Adam Oldfield was the only one out of all the listeners on CHML and on Facebook and everywhere else that got excited by this. And I mean, like, you might go six gigs of RAM. Wow, that's, that sounds like a lot. Um, what's my phone have? Most phones have two, and they're pretty sufficient. But, you know, six, six gigs of RAM allows you to do multi, uh, multi-programming, meaning you can have multiple apps open, and it doesn't slow it down. So those little things you read or you look at people going, oh, look at that, it's got an X on, uh, again, quad-core, super-modulated uh, capacitor, you're going to be really just going... If you're asking or you're questioning what is that, you probably don't need that size of phone. You really don't. It sounds like you're going to be uh, launching missiles from NORAD with that uh, with that kind of thing. But okay, so here's the next one though, Adam. Okay, so yeah. you 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 explain brilliantly. Okay, I got to sit down and I got to design or come up with a plan of what I want. So now I've done that. And I come up and I look then at what the models are of the phones that I think that I might want to consider, and I find one that is, let's say it's an iPhone. We'll use iPhone as the example. It could be one of the other makes. But it's a, a, one of the models that's a couple generations ago. But now I'm thinking, wait a second, but if I buy this, they're always updating their operating system and everything else. If I buy this today, am I basically snookered a year from now because my phone is going to slow down because suddenly it's antiquated and obsolete before it's even worn in? Well, I can tell you any phone that's been purchased within the last, I would say, 12 months to otherwise are going to give you at least two to three years. You'll get three years. Okay, you're going to get a three year value out of the operating system or otherwise. The ones that tend to be outdated quickly uh, tend to be the Android model, depending on what level it is, because you can run an older version even now on existing phones. I mean, the big uh, the big rise right now over in India and South America and even in China is that they're running Android, uh, you know, 7.0 or 6.0. When meanwhile, Oreo cookie just came out and you know, they come out with these operating systems and everyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, I want to get it. Well, it's not necessarily available for your provider. So again, you know, I wouldn't worry or stress out too much about when I'm looking for a phone today, am I going to be having an obsolete situation? In three years, you may or may not. So if you're looking to say, I want this phone for five years, it will probably work in five years. You may not be able to update exactly. it. Exactly have any of those features in five years, but I'm also going to share with you that a lot of people have to factor in what, what kind of computer you have. I asked the question earlier, what do you need your smartphone to, to do? I also step back and ask you, what is your desktop computer? Are you using an Apple? Are you using a PC computer? And by the way, the new growth is going to be the new Chrome laptops. So now, what does again, if I'm using a Chrome laptop, Android's going to be one of the more popular uh, devices you want to go with. If you're using Windows, you're probably going to want to be able to know Android's going to be very familiar with your operating system. Windows is friendly, but again, it's not native to it. So you're going to want to probably think if you've got an iPhone, you're going to want to look at maybe getting a Mac, so an Apple computer or an iMac. The real challenge is whether or not if you buy the phone and you get a computer, do they both get obsolete? And that's really going to be one of the questions I tend to have. If you're buying a PC computer or a Chrome, they will quickly go outdated. If you're buying an Apple computer, not that we're jumping from smartphones to uh, desktops, but they do interconnect because you could get a laptop or in this case an Apple computer. An Apple computer will last you five years guaranteed without minimum fail of upgrades or otherwise. It may get a little slower after five years. But, you know, our technology is getting so advanced at this point, 
really, we're going to come to a, we're a plateau where you're not going to be having that problem of, geez, it's not running as fast anymore. It's where back when we got Pentium 90s and there was the, Mac, the iMac, the original colored blueberries and raspberries. Yeah, you know what? They only ran to a certain level. Today's computers are running at such a fast component. We probably have only five, five years before we actually reach that maximum level. Well, so, yeah, let me jump in because there's one more thing about this that becomes yeah. very complicated, and that is it seems to me that y- you basically have two choices here when you get into your phone. I mean, there may be others, but you're going to get into Android or you're going to get into Apple and their iPhone and that kind of thing, most of them anyway. Seems to me once you have got on that escalator and you start going up, most people, once you buy your first phone, you're committed because once that phone is loaded and you've got the phone numbers on the thing and it's put to the cloud, for you to start over, you're doing, it's gone. If you decide to switch from Apple to to Android or Android to Apple, it's a pain in the butt, is it not? Well, no, not anymore. There's a lot of cross-systems, and they want to make it convenient for everybody. Apple makes it convenient for Android. Android makes it uh, convenient for Apple. Most of the systems now are very cloud-based. In my agency at FPM3, we've set it up that I could load an iPhone, I could load an Android. Instantly, it will load everything memory-wise and applications directly on whatever the phone is. So I had a situation where I use a Samsung Note 5. And it died. I had a problem. The, the Whatever was going on, the battery was, was no longer functioning. In a matter of, I would say, an hour, I had a, uh, a loaner phone, and I had every app, every program instantly on like I didn't even skip a beat. So those days are gone where you've lost the operating system. i got to reload my apps. i got to reload my information. That's all literally behind us. So it's not. that's why I'm saying getting a phone in today's standard with operating systems, regardless of what you get, you're going to feel pretty comfortable getting an Android or a, an Apple. Um, you know, using an example of a company like a, a Windows phone, it was only four years ago that Windows had launched the Lumina. And if anyone bought that, they are no longer supported. So, you know, I can tell with confidence, all listeners, Android or Apple, you can feel solid with those two programs. It is, um, you have been helpful for sure. And yet I got to tell you, I I, I still think that there's an awful lot of us who are going, okay, um, looking over those specs though, I'm still, I'm still trying to read Sanskrit here with, uh, with my eyes closed. (laughs) I can honestly say if someone is saying to me, I just need a phone to get on social media, take a few photos, watch my Netflix, and I just need a decent quality, I can, I can tell them the Huawei phone is probably a good option for them. What they do you probably get away with something in around the 300 to $400 range. And what do you tell the celebrities who want to take the nude photos of themselves that will get hacked so they can get lots of attention in social media? You know, I would say that those <laughs> are looking for that level, you want to go iPhone X. You need that security on a level of which even, like, you know, uh, uh, the cross-borders would, would have a hell of a time trying to get in. So, Adam yeah, Oldfield. Adam Oldfield. You can hear him Fridays at 1130 with Bill Kelly on Tech Talk. Adam, always appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. Take care. It is, um, look, Adam Adam knows his stuff. It is entirely confusing. It is entire. I see Lisa has her phone in her hand. She had just picked it up at the end there because we were chatting about this. She wasn't texting or anything. Don't worry. She was paying attention. But when was the last time you actually bought one of these things? Um, How long ago? I think in 2015. So your phone is approaching obsolescence now. It's a five uh, iPhone 5S. That's what I've got. Yeah. And it's and is yours having the same problem that it's starting to get a little cranky at times? 
a little. It's it's still pretty good because I did get a brand new one. I had a warranty, so I uh, traded it in in March. So it's still okay, but I don't want to get a new one. I like this. Well, I see. The thing is, I if I could choose, I don't want to spend money on a new phone. I really don't. Like, I'm not someone. I like technology. I love getting new gadgets and toys and stuff like that. But all things being equal, I would prefer not to spend my money on a new phone. If this can work, if it can do the things I need it to do, I'm fine if it's 10 years old. It's like my car. I, I, I like my car to be nice. I like it to work. I like it to be somewhat comfortable, but I don't need a new car every year or every two years. But man, oh man, when I go online right now, because I got this, you know, I went in with my, my carrier and I'm supposedly able to get some kind of new deal on some kind of new phone because they want to hook me up to a new plan and all the rest. It is just entirely beyond causing your head to explode. And I'll be honest, Lisa, I am not technologically inept. I mean, I'm not techo nerd, but when the, when the digital clocks go out after a blackout, I can reset them. I can work my TV and my TiVo. I can turn on the computer and get stuff to happen. I mean, I'm not... Comp- I imagine, and I don't want to be sounding like I'm making fun or anything of older people. I'm not, but I got to imagine for people who are in their seventies or eighties, at least those who did not have a lot of exposure to technology and they're learning it in their later year, uh, I, this has got to be a nightmare. It really, like, honestly, if they want to get a smartphone, it's got to be a nightmare to try and figure this out because it's a different language entirely. I'd imagine they rely on the sales and person's knowledge and expertise oh, and yeah, also pushing the promoted item. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you say, yeah, the uh, expertise, it's like, oh yeah, get the iPhone X. Sorry, how much is that? Well, it's $1,300, but man, it's fantastic. You won't need a new one for three years. Yeah, I've worked in retail. I know how it works. Would you like fries with that? Surprised they haven't come up with that yet. Some sort of iPhone or one of the other companies that you have to buy a separate thing just to make it work. But give it time. Give it time. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900, CHML.